that they could be here with us. Thanks for, for joining us today, Ron. Thank you, sir. Hey, I think we're lit off already. You know, in the Baptist church, they always say, raise your hand if you cannot hear me. You ever wonder why they say that? Anyway, just in a moment, Tanya is going to come up and say a couple words to us. Let me just say a couple words first. Uh, this year, because we couldn't get back to Ukraine, we came over here to basically visit churches January through, through uh, April, and we were going to go back that time. And then, of course, when the war came, we couldn't go back. And so we already had scheduled two months here so in the, in the eastern part, so we came back for this. But the point is this, is that when, since we couldn't get back to Ukraine, we started visiting churches, and Ukraine is a popular place in the news, so churches would call us. Some of them called us we never heard of. And with, this year, we will be in at least 96 churches this year. Can you imagine that? 96 different churches. Third time to the Atlantic. We've been to the Pacific Ocean twice. And it's a true story. I've never said this in any other church. But in the 96 churches we've been to, I don't think there's any of them that are stronger on the Word of God and the grace of God than you guys. And that is a serious, in my opinion, a serious good testimony for you. Because in Ukraine, we're going to show in just a moment that the culture is basically, it's a salvation by works culture. And you have to get people to come to the place where they, they know that they have to believe in Jesus Christ and he can save them by his power, by his grace, not by works. That gets people confused so much. And if you put works equal to the, to the merits of Jesus' cross work, in my opinion, that's getting pretty close to blasphemy. So we thank the Lord for you. Now, uh, we're also, I did want to say that Mike and Sue have been getting us spoiled a little bit too much, treating us too nice. But, and you talk about nice people, I got their key to their house right here in my pocket. Anyway, they have been, we've had a great time with them, and, uh, and uh, we, we have just a wonderful time. When the war happened, Tanya was in her, in her apartment in Ukraine, and the bombs started coming and all this stuff, and she's going to tell you about that in just a moment. But let me just say this. Last year, we had a guy, I'm pretty sure you've had Charlie Bing here in this, in this church, right? You've had Charlie Bing? Has he been here or not? So you guys know who he is. Well, when I read his book, Grace, Salvation, and Discipleship, I said, we have to get this guy to Ukraine to teach in our Bible college. And he came over and taught for us. And I liked his book, uh, this book, Grace, Salvation, and Discipleship, so much because it takes all the passages people think you can lose salvation and analyzes them in the context and shows that most of them are rewards or discipleship or other stuff like that. And uh, we've been taking that book. Uh, we give one to every, every single church. I probably won't give one to Dave because I'm sure he has it. But if he doesn't have, uh, we do have one. And listen to this. Nancy, I've been teaching Nancy and Tanya through this book for, you know, for about a year. And, of course, there was a gap when we came over here. But that book is very, very good. It's very strong. And that is, that's a doctrine we have to come to grips with. When we are born again, that's based on what Jesus Christ did for us. All we have to supply is the faith. And when you put anything else in that, you're only going to make it worse. Whether it's, and we don't, in Ukraine, we refuse to call ourselves after any human being like uh, Jacob Arminius or John Calvin. We are biblical Christians, the best we can be. And that's, if we have to have a boss, he's Jesus Christ. He's no other human being that's ever been on this earth. That said, uh, Tanya is going to come up now, and she's, she's a strong believer in Christ. And when we, when we went back to Ukraine the last time, we had a good several months delay because of, uh, I think she's got a, does she have a microphone that she could hold? Where's that one, that microphone that Mike had? I saw yeah, people were passing around. Yeah, if she could get that, would be great. Anyway, what happens is, what happens is this, is that, we adopted this motto that Charlie Bing gave to us in his book. And Tanya and Nancy and I all believe this. Now, we're not perfect Christians, for sure. We're just like the, the people that Dave talked about. We're all weak. We sin. We confess our sins. We dust off the dirt from when, the, when Satan knocked us down, and we get back in the battle again. But our motto is this. Salvation is free. Salvation is free, but discipleship is costly. Jesus said to those Jews who were following in him to end the 12, if you do what I told you to do, you are my disciples indeed. And when Christian grace believers understand that, 
We understand that we can work for Jesus Christ and be productive in this life. It doesn't affect our eternal salvation, but it does affect our eternal destiny with Jesus Christ. What we do forever him will be determined at the judgment seat of Christ, and that's based on what we do here. So anyway, to make a long story short, that's how we're, uh, we're teaching with Tanya and them, and she's a strong Christian believer. And also, when we, went, when we went there, we needed a new worker. We'd been praying for someone. And it, we have to have someone who is uh, fluent in speaking and listening and understanding, reading and writing and translating it back and forth and doing all the computer programs. And they have to be able to do that in English, Russian, and Ukrainian. And Tanya can do that. <laughs> and we want a, a mature, not bubble gummer, and she's just the right person, and she has a master's degree in logistics. So when we saw her and she came to us and... It was her first time back at the church for a while, our first time back. We connected, and she's been with us for two years, and she's been one of the blessings of our life. And even to this very day, when she, whenever I make a mistake and I put the wrong thing on, she says, Ron, you're not supposed to wear something like that. So <laughs> we never had daughters, so I never. The only bad thing about her is when we travel around the country in that big giant van out there, uh, I have two bosses in the car with me, but I've learned to live with it. So Tanya's going to give a little word of testimony, and then she's going to sing a song. It's the only time you're allowed to talk in tongues in this church. It's in another tongue. Good morning, everyone. I am Tanya, and I came here with Ron and Nancy Minton. I met them in Ukraine about two years ago in our Kharkov church, and we became good friends. I'm glad that I'm on their missionary team. And I am glad that I can be here in such a safe place as the U.S. right now. Unfortunately, in my country, it is not like this anymore uh, because we have war and many horrible and very hard things happen right now. And, you know, I still remember that morning on the 24th of February when we woke up because of explosions. Uh, that was really, you know, kind of shocking to us and uh, we couldn't even believe in what was going on. Because even if we heard something on the news, you know, some uh, predictions or something like evaluation of the situation that it could happen, like nobody uh, took it for real or, you know, it just, uh, it was something like it's 21st century and we, uh, how it can be or we had these kind of thoughts. But it happened and it changed lives of many, many people in Ukraine and um you know, first seven days I spent in Kharkov and uh, mostly at the basement because it was re really difficult to get out of the basement, uh, especially when you hear some close explosions and all that kind of things. Uh, but I had only seven days like this, and uh, but many people, especially in those areas where we have active military actions, uh, they have like half a year already of this uh, kind of life. Many of them, they lost houses, many of them, they lost uh, family members, and... Um, you know, in many areas now, uh, the situation is bad, especially winter is coming, and uh, some people, they have problems with uh, uh, warmth, with heating of their houses, you know, with some uh, kind of just water, food, and all that kind of things that's really um, difficult. But, you know, even despite all these things, um, I think that... Um, God um, holds everything in his hands, and I believe in his justice, and uh, even, you know, you see, sometimes you just look at that, and it seems like that's uh, just, you know, everything like is darkness, and, but even in all these ob obstacles, you can see some of his miracles and some of his um, real actions, and that is something that, you know, encourages, and that is great. Many people from our churches in different towns in Ukraine, uh, they... Um, have a ministry now and they help uh, people who are in need and especially you know we have many refugees like coming from different parts of Ukraine and uh, many churches uh, they uh, became like uh, you know place where people can find a temporal shelter or help or many things like that many of them they turn to Christ and I saw many actually you know um, many 
witnesses as for this and many new families started coming to churches and uh, I think that people just you know um, sometimes those hard obstacles they can help you as nothing bad actually uh, to reevaluate things and to understand that you know all these things nice things that you have and that is great that you have this but uh, sometimes you know you, you just understand that um, they are not not something that you can really hold. You can lose it. And um, people, they just, uh, um, right now, they can get something eternal that nobody can take from them. And um, that's basically what I wanted to say. And I've got a song for you. It was translated into Ukrainian language as a deer panties to the water. We like it in Ukraine very much. And I like this song because I think it's like these words are pretty powerful as for that really God is, God is Christ is the only one who can uh, help us, uh, strengthen us, and give us everything that we need. <clears throat> Я колень прагне до потоків, так душа моя прагне тебе. Я бажаю тобі сказати, що я так люблю тебе. Ти один моє серце знаєш, і в нього ти любов вливаєш. Я бажаю тобі сказати, що я так люблю тебе. Сенкю. Let me see. Uh, where's that little gizmo they gave me earlier for doing these? It's probably, oh, here, I think I see it. <clears throat> okay, if I can figure out how to do this again, let me just double check. I'm going to stand right here real quick, and it works. Okay, real quickly, we're going to show you a little bit about Ukraine. We do update this on a regular basis because we have some stuff about the war. In fact, you guys are going to see a few images that are just put in this last week. And uh, some of them are interesting uh, things that, you know, happening. Our, our house and our church, I mean, our house and our garage were both hit by some missiles of some sort. We're not even sure exactly what they were. I'll show you why in just a minute. The house weren't blown down, but they blew stuff through the roof and knocked stuff down in the ceiling and all that stuff. But also we're going to show a lot of stuff that we, like Tanya mentioned, that how the Ukraine Christian believers who are trained in the Word of God have, have said, okay, this is a hard time in our life. But God doesn't mistake, make mistakes, and he puts us here for a reason. And we're going to use this time to try to win people to Christ Jesus, just because somebody, somebody told us how to be born again one time, and that's what we're going to do. And like Tony said, like in our one church, we've had about, uh, even three months ago, the last time I heard the numbers, they said, even then there are 28 families in the church that had never been in the church before. And we'll show you some images of stuff like that. And if I get to preaching here, don't worry about it. I'm going to get through these images, but I am going to preach in the second service, and I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove to you by the Greek text why the command of, that we're supposed to go in Matthew 28 is actually a command and not just a uh, regular time type of a participle. First of all, I do want to point out a couple of things on the ge geography of Ukraine. And Ukraine, since World War II, Ukraine has been of very high interest to the United States government and military because it literally is the gateway to the east. If you take a look at this map, and all this stuff up here, this is what we would call uh, Europe, and you cannot go to the east, you can't go through Russia, you can't go through the Black Sea, you can't go through Turkey. Even if you went through the Mediterranean, there's Israel and a bunch of Islamic nations over here, you couldn't go that way. And uh, let me just say, I think, well, I think there's a way to back this up once, I'm not sure. Yes, uh, if you go, but if you go in Ukraine, there's these gigantic east and west highways and the fact they go close to us even in Kharkiv, we're way over here in, the very, in this very part, part of, we're only 20 miles from Russia, by the way. And so there's, those highways are able to get people through. Just a couple of things. On this map, we also highlight the little tiny country of, of Armenia. Yerevan is the only large city in the country. But some of your people you know, like 
for example, Mark Musser and uh, uh, Jim Myers, they've taught, they teach in our Bible class, Bible college, they both taught in Armenia for us. We have a lot of classes in Armenia. And just, by the way, just right in there in the southport, southwest part of Ukraine, just two weeks ago or one week ago, we finished our first class since the war started. We've actually had starting classes already again in Ukraine. We weren't going to start until next year, but there was, the war is not so bad in the western part. Just some missiles come in now and then. And Ukraine, as is this, is this uh, next picture will show, is as big as Texas, so it's a very large country. And that's going to be significant because a lot of Christian believers as well as unbelievers fled the country for their lives. And when they go, they have to come. A lot of them come from this, all this northwest part here, all the way across to Poland, Slovakia. Notice seven nations on the border even. Moldova, Romania, Hungary, Slovakia, Poland, Belarus, and Russia. And these first five countries are where these people fled, coming from all the way over here, this whole area, all the way over. And that's a long, long ways. And they take trains usually to get over there, and it's very difficult. It's a long truck thing. And we're going to show you some images of that as well. And the Lord is doing some amazing things in uh, Ukraine right now. The capital is Kiev. It's about had about six million people. Some of you have actually been there. I think, I think uh, you've been there, right? And you probably taught at Word of God College over there. Yeah, I teach every year for Word of God, and, and uh, I tell people I'm smarter than Jim Myers. I tell the students over there I'm smarter than him. And they say, how do you figure that? And I said, we teach for each other in our own Bible colleges, and I teach for them once a year, and he teaches for me four times a year. Since we don't pay anything, who wins? <laughs> so I, I know when there's a great teacher. I use them every, as much as we can. And Chernobyl is the site of the world's worst nuclear accident, 1986. And uh, we're praying that, uh, we don't think it will, but we're praying also that uh, this right here, Zaporozhye, doesn't become that, because that's, that's the site of the largest nuclear reactor in all of, you, in all of Europe. And we live in this, near the city of Kharkiv, just actually north of that city. And so we live actually quite close to uh, Russia. We see the troops mount, come there every year for a game, war, war games, and I actually thought it was going to be that again. But when they began to surround the whole country, we knew something was up. And from Preston, it's 6,000 miles, and we measure that because some of you are going to see these images and probably going to say, I can go over to Ukraine and work with Ron Minton, don't have to get involved in this building program. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's a great idea because, hey, you guys are probably one of the best Bible teachers and churches in town. There's no, no rooms in here to go <laughs> almost. Okay, I shouldn't, I shouldn't get to preach on that. This is our house where we've lived since 2006, except for a few months when we moved to down in Lugansk where the war started in 2014 and also started the same place in 2022. But basically we've been here, we did scrape those uh, steel gates and put, uh, put some, uh, you know, painted them a different color, about the color of these pews right here. And I'll show you that in a minute. Both of these houses, our house and the garage have been, by the way, notice our laundry. We actually have a nice modern electric uh, washing machine, but uh, it's hard to find a dryer over there, but, and people say, why would you want to buy a dryer? I mean, I went to the store to buy one, and the guy says, why would you buy a dryer? You've got a radiator to put it on. And I said, actually, that makes a lot of sense. And there's lots of paperwork, and probably, you wouldn't be shocked that you would think that when you go to Ukraine, you would get away from the paperwork. How many of you ever heard of IRS? Anybody? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> they look at me and say, okay, Ron Menton, we know where you're hiding in Ukraine. Don't even think about it. And real men do dishes. Wait a minute, where'd this come from? Okay, sometimes Nancy and Tanya slip in a slide, but hey, if you work on a car, you know what? It's the only way to get to doing dishes, it's the only way to get your fingernails clean. <laughs> it does get cold where we are. This is inside the house. Every winter we do get uh, ice in front, inside the house. I've noticed it only comes where there's like metal going through. If there's any nails or screws, whatever, the, the ice will definitely come there. And the culture is a little bit different from what you're used to. In fact, there's a lot of stuff. I remember when I first saw the, my first Soviet-made pickup truck and the bed, was on the, the bed was on the front, and I said, whoa, what's that? <laughs> I asked him, I said, why do you do that like that? And he said, well, you Americans put that thing on the back, and they said, when people go steal stuff from you, you don't even, can't even see them, but we can see what they do right here. And I said, actually, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. And there's a lot of these things, really strange things. Never, ever, never, I'm warning you right now, when you come to work for us in Ukraine, never go to a Baptist church wedding. Ten hours is, nobody can do it. I'll never, never do it again, I can guarantee you that. And the last one was interesting, too. Even Mike has found this out a little couple times, because Tanya's over, we're over at her house, and she'll take her and pop with no eyes. <laughs> and they like, they like stuff not so cold and not so, you know, not, even food and drink. Not just Ukrainians, that culture. I'll never forget this incident that we had Pavel working for us, a guy from one of our deacon's kids, and, and uh, we've known him for 16 years, and 
he was doing some work for us. It was a hot July, August day. And man, I, he came in for lunch and we had a good meal. And we, then we had ice cold, real cold watermelon. Oh man, it was good. It was, I thought I'd die and gone to heaven. And, uh, and so I said, isn't this great thing wonderful, Pavel? This watermelon wonderful. What is he doing? He's sticking his in the microwave oven. <laughs> I said, Pavel, what are you doing putting your watermelon in the microwave? And he says, oh, if I eat this stuff cold, it might get me sick and all that. I said, okay, never mind. And we do have, we have uh, where we live, the, the uh, Kharkiv water the pollution from the uh, dump is up the hill. There's a gigantic valley where we live on the edge of it, and, and it comes, comes underground. In our city, the part of the city, it's not safe to drink the water. You can brush your teeth and take showers and wash your car and all that, but not drink it. And uh, we, we go to about five of these six of these streams, and they usually have a pipe coming out. Some of them you have to crank like that to get the water out. And we do a lot of jugs. And listen... We have drank this water for 17 years and hasn't done any Dame Bramage. <laughs> yeah, they're a little bit slow today. So, anyway, this is our this is our garden. When we first went there, this is an amazing thing too. You talk about a culture situation. This reminds me of the Bible because when we went there, uh, I thought all of my neighbors would run quickly and say, "What must I do to be saved?" <laughs> but they didn't come over. So, but our one neighbor we befriended said, "Ron." He said, "If you just put a garden in," he said, "This is a town, not a city." Where we are, and they said, if you put a garden in, they're gonna, you're, you can say anything you want to these people. They'll be friends. So we put a garden in. They even helped us, and sure enough, they come over. But by the way, on this side and this side, both of our yard, Yuri and Victor, they have gardens, and every inch of their yard is out of the garden. And I said, why is that? And they said, well, in a town and villages, they don't make enough money to, uh, even if both people work, to really make, to live a good life and to have all the food and take care of the kids and all this stuff. Cities, you can make more money, but in cities, it costs more money. So that's how they do that. And, but we have this grass here. We have, and our part, our town really has 20,000 people. We're the only people who have gazona kasilka benzene, which means, what's the translation? Gazona kasilka benzene. Do you remember what it is? Yeah, gasoline powered lawnmower, lawn cutter. Now, the first time I cut that, there was two, there was two girls about 12 years old, about the age of this kid right here. And they came up to me, and I turned the lawnmower off, and, and they said, they were speaking English a little bit, and they said, can I just stand behind that thing, and you take my picture and put it on Facebook? And I said, okay, I guess it won't hurt us. <laughs> Next two weeks, a couple more girls came, and I said, wait a minute. So I said, in two weeks, we're going to be doing this again. I said, I want all the neighborhood kids to come right here. And so I, next week, there was, I mean, when they came, it was like 20 or 30 of these kids. And I said, now, every one of you are going to get the experience of doing this. And, but you have to do it 10 minutes to get the American feel. And I'll be on the patio sipping lemonade. So, hey, and there's the patio. And we do take the water off the patio because, it, because it, uh, if it doesn't rain, we, you need more water for our garden. By the way, we also used an old van seat, made a wonderful place there. And our workers put a van, this used to be a mug puddle, and now it's a nice place. And Nancy and Tanya and I would, she would come to work, and we would eat, we would eat 40 percent of our class our meals I mean for I mean for four months every meal we eat outside and you can see Nancy's good food we have a lot of fruit trees from Soviet days Ukraine had a lot of difficulties in their life and uh, uh, just like Israel was captive by Babylon in 70 years Ukraine was captive for 70 years from 1921 to 31 by Soviet Union against their will and they had a lot of bad things happen to them 1932 or 33 was a great artificial famine don't forget that Ukraine is as flat as Kansas and as big as Texas and better soil than Connecticut. <laughs> Ukraine has very wonderful soil. They, Ukraine and Russia together produce one-third of all the wheat grown on our planet. One-third. Ukraine is the world's largest exporter of several things, including like sunflower seeds, cooking oil, and some stuff like that. It's because they're very good farmers. In fact, even 10, 20 years ago, the Americans gave them Companies like John Deere gave them millions of dollars worth of farm equipment. They've improved. They've always been extremely good farmers since Catherine the Great brought Mennonites over to teach those people in that part of the world how to, how to grow food. And they had their own farms, but Stalin said, Joseph Stalin said, we're taking all the farms from people and the government's going to own everything and we're going to collectivize everything. Those people who resisted were killed. And then they said, okay, we'll teach you a lesson. We'll show you who, who's the nice guy and who's the bad guy. And so they starved a lot of people to death, wouldn't even give them food. The, even the CIA says between six and nine million Ukrainians were starved to death by 
uh, Stalin in the 1932-33 Holodomor, the Great Artificial Famine. And the next picture is a graphic image of, there's a lot of these pictures in Ukraine that's in the museums. If you go look for them, you can see people like this. And these people could not have lived more than a day or so. And they'd get a, have to probably prop them up to uh, take pictures of just what was happening. So the Ukrainians have a lot of difficulties. There's a, down here at D.C., there's not far from here, there's actually a monument, a great monument of the World War II. 400,000 Americans died in that war. But can you imagine in Ukraine, about 7 million people died. So it was, they've had some serious rugged times in their life. Yuri and Andrea are, are two interesting people. They've been a big help to us. She was a single missionary. She came over to Ukraine, and she ended up marrying Yuri. And Yuri was a young man who learned English for somehow. I'm not sure when he was a kid. And right toward the Soviet Union, just before it collapsed, he was old enough. He joined the, the Soviet Navy. They put him in the Mediterranean on the ship. And they followed American ships. He took their, they took their trash, and he, they opened it all up and read all. They're looking for top-secret <laughs> messages in, their, in the trash can. Of course, they didn't find any. But not long after that, the Soviet Union collapsed, and and uh, literally thousands of Americans went to Ukraine and preached the gospel. Now, fortunately, there was a lot of those people that had the gospel clear enough that people could believe, and lots and lots of people were very, very open. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit used the word of God, and I would say a million Ukrainians came to the Lord. The only bad thing is that, there, I mean, there was tens of thousands of people that came over. They had no one to teach them. These people come over for a week and took off. And they also... The churches were weak, and some of them didn't come out from underground for six years because they thought it was just another Soviet trick. It's free now. But Yuri was one of these people that got saved the first week when they started preaching this stuff. He got saved, and then he started translating for these people, got baptized and joined the church. And they, went, they came out to the United States as citizens. He went to seminary here, and he pastored for five years in Kentucky. And then he, him and his wife became full-time missionaries in Ukraine 18 years ago, the same time we did. But we didn't meet him for a year and a half in Lugansk, where he, he was pastoring three cities and three churches at the time. And he became a great translator for us. He knows all the theological terms. He's an excellent Russian and English translator. He's not that good in Ukrainian, but he's very good in those two. He's been a major asset. Now he's in the southwest part of Ukraine. Both times, this is a, this is a 2014 war. They came to our house for five months to save their lives because the war started near where they lived both times. This time the war came very intense, and they were coming right to their through their uh, town, and they came out, and he, and he told me later, he said, a half hour later, we probably would have been dead because we're American passport, but they came to our house for a few days and took off to the southwest part of Ukraine, and now they are this part of Ukraine, and because of them, primarily because of them, we just had a new class in a brand new city, and he was the translator of the class uh, in that part of Ukraine. So the Lord has blessed us with some amazing people, guests like this and people like Tanya who know these languages a lot better than we'll ever know in our whole life. And right when we need to expand it, and I'll show you how our Bible college has expanded because of these kind of people helping us. When, I took, uh, when Nancy and I took Russian language course, they, our textbook talked about how beautiful the city of Kharkiv was, and it was an amazing city. It was actually, Ukraine economy and culture was slow to come, but it was actually getting, it was getting better and better, and it was getting just like, most of Kharkiv was getting, it looked like a very modern American city. But you can see what, it did, what they did. Kharkiv had the largest Ploshid in all of uh, Eastern Europe. And Ploshid would be like, uh, I always forget this, like Town Square, the big open area that big cities have. In fact, it's almost the largest one in Europe. It was a beautiful place. And you can see what the Russians just sent all these missiles over there, started blowing up stuff. These are like, the, these are like downtown in, Kar in uh, Kharkiv as well. We've been in all these places. These are like big bank buildings, big business buildings, big government buildings, university buildings. Tony went to university for our bachelor's and master's just down the street from there. And this is, a, this is a typical apartment in a high-rise apartment in big cities like Kharkiv. And these missiles slammed in the side of it and they burst into flames. A lot of people fell out of the thing, knocked out of the windows and fell to their death. Some were burned to death. A lot of them had already fled Ukraine. And they, uh, when they come back, can you imagine? Just think while you're here at Preston City Bible Church today, if there was an explosion, a gas explosion or something in your house, and that happened to a lot of people in Ukraine, they come back and everything they had in this world's goods is gone. I mean, this world's goods, I can guarantee you when you get my age, you realize it's more, it's hard for these kids to know anything like that. But this world's goods, they're needed. We need them right now, but they're passing quickly. And a lot of Ukrainians, just like Tanya said, they've lost their homes, they've lost a lot of family members, and it's very rugged time in the world for their lives. Even the kindergartens, Nancy and I have been here in Kharkiv, they blowed up. Kharkiv had some nice suburbs, beautiful houses all blown up. 
And this is up in Kupiansk. It's about an hour and a half from Kharkiv, and I would, we would take our uh, cars up there, and you could only get across in this town through where we had to go through this bridge, and you can see it's all knocked out now. And we would go up there to teach the Word of God in the Bible college and also to preach in that area. And now we can't go there because you can only get there by walking in this thing. Of course, we have to wait till the war's over in this part anyway. And this is a cultural center not far from us. They blew the top of it off. You can see this fire in the bottom half. And these are the interesting thing. thing. These missiles, are, these are called the dumb bombs, are very fast and very strong, and they come very fast. They go way up, and they come extremely fast down. And we don't know for sure. That six months ago, the Ukrainian soldiers said 6 to 20% of these don't explode. And all over Ukraine, you can see lots and lots of this on the Internet, these pictures where they, this, they come so fast, if they don't explode, they're supposed to have electronic switch. And they, with a millionth of a second of hitting something, they, the whole thing blows up. It's very powerful. It can knock a whole building down easy. If they don't explode, can you imagine? We're talking hard ground under, under highways. That thing drives itself into the ground eight feet. That's eight. These are ten. You can see them. They're ten feet long. They're the, the, uh, the explosive ordnance disposal people. In our, we would think of modern Navy SEALs. You may not know this, by the way. The Navy SEALs came from the explosive ordnance depot or destroyed whatever people, those people that take care of bombs. That's where the Navy SEALs actually came from first. So these people take care of all these bombs. A lot of them don't explode. And it's an amazing thing how some of this stuff has happened. When they do explode, they're very, very dangerous. And this house right back by here, by the way, this is a house church that we have start here. <laughs> and the deacon from our church and his wife at uh, that were in there, the wife was out there watching them take this bomb out. Can you imagine if that thing exploded? They would all been dust. This is a famous one you've probably seen. It came through several layers of floor. We assume we don't know how far to see. And the, the war was there very active at this time. It came through the ceilings. You can see the fin marks up there. And because the war and bombs were going everywhere, the guy was recording it in his video on his TV camera, and all of a sudden, boom, this thing hits in, a, in his house, and it was right on the video, and he, he said a bunch of stuff, and they, I sent that note, that place to Tanya, and I said, what did this guy say? She said, he, she said a lot of cuss words. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, Ukrainians, hey, Dave could tell you this, Ukrainians are very resourceful. You know what happens when a bomb comes in your living room? What you do? You clean it up and shave. Believe it or not, that's a real picture. This is back at our house. A bomb went off in the, in the thing, and the, they came and took a little video we, when we took some frames out of it and made these. It hit there and, and uh, made a crater and blew up the shrapnel and ripped up our fence and knocked out some windows and stuff like that, you can see. And this is our, the soldiers came right down our street, the Russian soldiers, and, and I don't know if someone said this is where <laughs> the Americans live because they shot a lot of bullets through our fence and stuff. I don't think they did because the house across, across the street of ours was, I think, blown pretty much away. This is our garage where you can see right through the roof up at the top up here. And about a month ago, we were in a church, and a guy came to me afterward. He says, I'm a, I'm a building engineer, a house building engineer. And he said, he said, I'm pretty sure the back half of that garage is destroyed a lot more than you realize. And we did see a video out in the front, and you can see all this debris on the other half of our garage blown clear out to the street. And we don't, it's either the other half of our garage or the neighbor beyond our garage, his house was blown up one of the two. But we couldn't see. We haven't got any pictures of that side. On this side, we had a gigantic, a gigantic double-sized sheet that we had nailed on the wall. And then we, would, we had a projector we'd put up at the back end and, we'd, and all these benches, most of them we made. And we would have these, sometimes we'd have these uh, movie nights and we'd have free popcorn and a big widescreen TV and show these Christian movies. And in fact, I think we'll show you that. It's interesting, they blew up this, this whole thing. Let me just interject this. Everybody asks me, why did this war happen? What's Putin happen? And usually I say something like, he, Putin wanted to make his legacy that he uh, restored the Soviet Federation, the Russian Federation like the old Soviet kingdom. He knows it's not going to be that big, but he wants to try it. And he's 70 years old. He's already way beyond the average Ukrainian or average Amer uh, Russian lifespan. But really the reason was spiritual. I would read just two years ago that Ukraine has now become the most evangelical nation in all of Europe, 42 nations of Europe. By the way, Ukraine is physically the largest nation in Europe as well. And I think that's the main reason Satan is trying to destroy the country where the gospel has spread all over. You guys know some great people are teaching in Ukraine, some great mission works going on there, and the word is spreading around. Lots and lots of churches have been started in Ukraine. And I think that's the, ultimately that's the reason all this stuff is happening. This is our house, the four, the four windows in this section right over here. In the bottom left here, those are where Nancy and I bedroom. It's all my, also my office. 
We don't know for sure what happened. There's a little bit more damage to the roof than what these pictures show, but that's the, the basic part of it. We don't know what kind of a missile. Obviously, some gigantic missile didn't come in and blow up or the house would be gone. And our, and our people that, uh, that took these pictures went in the house because we left them with our house key and our van key when we left. And then they came in and they, this is inside our bedroom. That's the bed where we have in my office over here. It looked like, and you can see some pieces, pieces of missile and, and stuff laid on our bed and all this. We think what happened is a missile or something came through and it didn't explode, but it knocked the ceiling and all that stuff out like this. And, pro and we think on the other side, it's probably even a lot worse condition than this one. And this, this is our same room. It's my office, or what's left of my office. And so the, the guy came into our, into our house, uh, Oleg, and he's, he lives about a mile from us, at half a mile, and he goes to our church as one of my students. And he said, Ron, he said, your house is a mess, a real serious bad mess. But we think that structurally it's still standing. And we think that it can be repaired. So we think the Lord's going to be able to refix it anyway. We use our van to take people. When the, whenever, the, uh, whenever the war broke out, the people were getting out of town. They had to get to the train station. And the, before the war, it was $4, but they were price gouging to make it up to, uh, to make it up to $100. And, of course, our van would take them free and give them the gospel at the same time. And we emphasize, these are people getting out. Of the, this is in our city in Kharkiv. Nancy, Tanya, and I have all been out of this train at various times. And we just train after train, take as many people as you can. And think of the ride they have. They have to go all the way. Usually it's a minimum of 30 hours, and I'm sure with this time it was even longer, to get all the way across Texas, be the same as going across Texas, and get to one of those other five nations. And so they do a lot of this type of stuff. And I need, I need the pastor or Mike to tell me, what time should this park close? 10.15. What was that? 10 15. 10 15, okay. Yeah, I've had my hearing aid turned down today, so you really got to speak loud. These are a couple of my students and also members of our church. And they, this is our van that we left there, and they packed it up. You can see the seats broken. This is a part of a video as well. And he said, Oh, Ron, we said, We do want to apologize so much to you. He said, We packed up so much junk in your van that we broke the seat. And I didn't have the heart to tell him that seat was broken before we loaned it to him. <laughs> but it was. But they pack all this stuff and they bring it to. They take it to people that uh, need it, you know, supplies, medical, food, whatever they need. Mostly we take food. And what's interesting to me is that the Russian Orthodox Church was teaching people in Ukraine that there's three cults in Ukraine. And that is the, uh, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witness, and the Baptists. Because the most evangelical Christians in Ukraine are Baptists. And they call them Dombolitvi in Russian, Dimolitvi in Ukrainian, House of Prayer what is the name. But these people are saying... Before, we thought you were the cults, and now you guys are the bringing the food and stuff and helping to us. And that's why, you know, when I, when I look, my view is this. As Christians, it's great that we do good humanitarian aid and help people, and we good. That's good that we do that. But why should we do that if we don't give them what you really need, and that's the gospel of Christ? Yes, we good, it's good to help people to stay alive and that stuff. But we have the truth that they need a thousand times more than physical food. And that's the, the wonderful thing about Ukrainian believers that's exactly what they're doing. A lot of people doing that. You've probably seen uh, Jim Meyer's uh, uh, newsletter, and you probably don't read Mark Musser's newsletter because it's this long. <laughs> I read it all, but anyway, they, these guys are doing a great job of that. And there, the, you can see these yellow bags, the king yellow bags and black bags. Sometimes we've had to buy a van load full, but sometimes, most of the time they're free. Tons of food comes in Ukraine in trucks and trains, whatever, bring it as much as they can. Usually they don't know where to put it. And our people go to where they're stationed and stuff, and they bring it back, and they go to all these towns and villages where they're cut off. And almost, there's a lot of weeks, like right, just last week we sent money to a pregnant woman who, who was uh, needing to get some car repairs and get some medicine for her baby to get ready to be born. And also we sent to a woman that had a, some serious uh, medical stuff, and she didn't have money for the medicine because of the war. If it's related to war, we have a fund that was able to help those people. And these are the black bags. These are all, bag, all these food are packed full of bags and a packed full of food. Every one of them we get free. And sometimes we've had to go all the way across Ukraine. That's a long trip to get stuff. And they use that and they get all these uh, people as well. This is inside a village house. You can see the black bag over there where they, they give this. These are the kind of people that whenever you save someone's life, because they, they can't get food anywhere else because the supply is gone. They're, you can't go to the local producer or local grocery store because they're almost all empty. These kind of people are very uh, thankful. They like having their life saved, and they're saying, whoa, our Provislavic church, the Orthodox church, did nothing for us. These people bring food for us. And so they're able to use that for an evangelistic effort. On our van there, it says, volunteer. You're not supposed to shoot them because it means it's not a war car. But listen to this. These people actually shoot. This car has been hit by Russian rifles twice and maybe three times. So we'd have to keep doing this. People 
doing it. Our church leaders would black their eyes out for purpose, doing evangelism. This is a church where we've had about 30 or more families come in. And this is another pastor that we support. He's been taking classes from us in our church. He, I've preached there. You can see these are Russian, these are Ukrainian New Testaments. What they do is they say, okay, from the town, they say the pastor word, the van of food is coming, the people gather around, and they preach the gospel to them for 10, 15 minutes. They make the gospel clear, and then they give them Russian New, or Ukrainian New Testaments, and they give them food. They, they give them the food, whether they what the Bible or not, but they listen to the gospel, and some of these people come to Christ, and they give them the food all the time. The good example of Ukrainians is they don't just give food to help people. They give food to try to win people to Christ Jesus, and there's a big, there's a big difference. This is the Red Van. This is another deacon that we know for 15 years. We're helping them the same thing. I just sent $1,000 to them, actually $900, to get the van fixed and buy some more loads of food for them. And they, by the way, notice it says here that they're in the towns. This guy also goes in the villages. And this is actually in the city. That's him preaching out there, down there in the bottom left. And these, these people, the point of all this stuff is to get the gospel of Christ to all these people. And I'm telling you one thing right now, you and I have a lot easier than all these people. The truth is in America, even the people who don't have much money are very affluent and have it easy compared to what Ukrainians go through. And yet they risk their lives. They know these, these people get shot at. They risk their lives giving the gospel of Christ out to other people. And I like what uh, the pastor Rosen said just a moment ago. We, it's our duty as, as Christians as well. We need, we're saved by grace, but we have, when we're saved, we have a duty to serve Jesus Christ. And just think of this. Every person in this room, if you, what we need to do is every person in this room, you may not have the gift of evangelism. I don't have. But that doesn't mean we can't obey the gospel and, and invite our neighbors or friends to come and hear. They can hear Pastor Rosen preach the gospel and they can become a born again, born again just like you did at one time. And the more people get here and strengthen them in the faith, the purpose of this building is to train people in the word of God and then to build them up and make them strong Christians so they can do the exact same thing to others. And that's all, it's the way God planned it, and that's how, the way we need to be doing it. These people lived in this house for 40 years. They wrote it in English, so we put it here. Can you imagine they lived in the same apartment 40 years, and Russia blew it up for what purpose? Except just no purpose, except they want to get rid of them. We help refugees, these people. A lot of people have been in the western part of Ukraine have become born-agains because of, uh, this is in one of our churches where we take out the desks and put the beds in. And this is actually, this is a, this is a woman who was a, a grandma and one of my students, and actually Jim Myers was her pastor, and she wrote a letter to him. He sent to me, and I put this part here. The purpose of it is this. You don't write a letter like this unless your faith is grounded on the Word of God. There's a lot of good stuff on the Internet. There's a lot of good magazines. But the Word of God is God's Word. It has power to transform people, and there is no shortcut. There's no substitute. That's why it's so important to train people to be solid biblical students of the Word of God so they can teach others as well. This man, the headlines of this newspaper, when it happened, it said, Ukraine farmer steals Russian tank. <laughs> and he did. The religion of Russia is Russian Orthodox. It is a works-based religion. I have actually interviewed, we have interviewed uh, the uh, priest of this church, and they say, we teach salvation by works. He said, and I said, what about St. Paul's theory? And he says, we know what St. Paul says better than you know. And he said, but what we do, we have to know this is 2022, and this is a business. We have to make this work. And if we tell people they have to do me, they have to do what I say, and they have to do what the church says, and it's good works, and be faithful to us, or you're going to hell. And he said, that's how we keep people in this business. And they said, we make it. And look at our big churches. Look at yours. <laughs> By the way, let me just say this. Never, ever think that the church is these buildings. I mean, it's good that we get a new building. People, church is people, just like you are. There's lots of ministry. Look quickly. We can show you these. We're going to go through pretty fast. Ukraine was one of the 15 former Soviet nations. The blue sky and the golden field of grain. By the way, you can, we have a little display here. and There's some prayer cards in the back. You can take one of those and pray for us. And uh, you can see why they get this thing. Ukraine does have the blue sky and golden fields of grain. And now we have religious freedom, which means opportunities for spreading the word of God. Ukraine is important for a lot of reasons. It's important for Ron and Nancy Minton because that's where God has called us for this time in our lives. We've been there for about 18 years. 
It may be that God has called not one here to Ukraine. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. But I can guarantee you one thing. Right now, God doesn't make mistakes. He's the sovereign God of the universe. And he's called you right here in Preston City for this time to build this church. And that should be your goal is to make this a strong church because we are a family. We're a body of Christ. And when you make this a stronger church, you know what you're doing? You're helping Pastor Rosen fulfill the Great Commission. Jesus commanded us to spread this gospel around the world. We're going to be talking about that in the second hour. And our purpose is to establish biblical churches in Ukraine and lots of other places. Now we're spread out even more. I'll show you in just a moment. This is Reconciliation Church in Rivna. I trained this pastor for five years and gave him, we bought him a thing to play on a, a, key, a keyboard and loaned him a van for six months. Now this church has a, a actually I, I counted over here 100 people going to this church when I was getting preached, preaching there two years ago. And I asked Vitaly, he said, how many people come here? And he said, 63. Here's a culture difference for you. I said, how do you get 63? I counted 100 people. And he said, we only count saved, baptized, faithful, attending church members. And I said, in America, they count every single living soul, and a pregnant woman count two. <laughs> One pastor actually happened, pregnant, recently a pastor said, that's not true. You don't know if it's twins, we count three. <laughs> this is a house church. And uh, every, house, every church in the New Testament, by the way, was a house church. And that's me teaching at a house church. We're just, it was a new church plant. And, uh, and there's another one. I think we have another one. This is, a, this is actually in Armenia where these... These are my students at our meeting. They started this little church here. And in fact, I think you have a picture of me preaching this. Yeah, Dancy's playing, I preach this. What I should have put, Pastor Rose, I should have put Ron Minton preaches to maximum crowd because only eight people could fit in this building. <laughs> but let me just say this. Theologically, this building is going to be destroyed when Jesus comes again. It's trash. And your new building is going to be destroyed too. But God lets us have, by his grace, buildings for one purpose, and that is to further the gospel and get people born again and get them trained in the faith and get them spread around the world and given the gospel. That's what it's all about. And God, it's, everything we get is by God's grace. This building is His grace. Your new building is going to be that. But keep in mind, the, the whole, this is a holy place not because of this building. It's a holy place because you're here. When God looks at you, if you were born again, He sees not the lousy sinner that's saved by grace you are. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's because... You have that in you. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. This is a holy place because of that. Don't get too caught up on these buildings, but use the building for God's glory, and then we'll be, everything will be great. And our Bible college, we have, since last time we came, by the way, in 2017, uh, we've reported that 32 churches have been started by our, our students, mostly in Ukraine, but all over Siberia and lots of five other countries. I like this part in the red here, this middle. Since 2017, 710 students have taken their very first class from us in our Bible college. It is a very fast-growing college. I'll tell you in just a minute. 2,300-something people have taken classes. And real quick, just a couple other quick ministry pictures. We do take American missionaries. Don was one of my foreign ancient students in the ancient history. <laughs> I taught him Greek and Hebrew. Now he has a church in, near Washington, D.C. They've been over to help us five times in Ukraine. He teaches the book of Daniel for us. This is a refugee family that we have from the first war. And uh, we, we calm them down and give them food. This is, they're all Christian believers. And our backyard, it was an unbelievable, filthiest place I've ever seen. We had to excavate the whole thing and because the land was like this. We had to build these embankments. And by the way, there's a picture on here of a, a 1908 coin that Nancy found eight years before the Soviet Union. I found a whole can of Soviet Union coins buried in our backyard that I dug up. And I felt like becoming Joseph Smith and start digging. Some of you know the history of Mormons to get that later. <laughs> anyway, this is, uh, this is our backyard ministry pit, fire pit. And some Ukrainian people come over and they said, wow, it's the best backyard in Ukraine. <laughs> Maybe except Jim Myers. And this is a university kids that we invite over. And our students are going to the university and they say, you can come here, Ron Minton, he's going to teach you how to have eternal life. But even better for you because they want to learn English. They don't care about eternal life. They want to learn English because we hear, they hear the gospel. And they can come out, they know they're going to hear Americans speaking English, and we have a translator. In fact, that girl on the right, that girl on the right, by the way, that's the lady that I was telling you about. She was right by that bomb when they were pulling it out of the ground. And all of our students have to take evangelism and practice that. Nancy and I, the, most of these students have given out 30,000 of these Gospel of Romans and Book of John combo. And we like that because it's, a, it's actually giving them the Word of God. And I'm not going to tell you the story, but this kid in front of me, we taught him to play baseball. Here's a translation issue. Let me see, what time is it right now? That clock is probably not right. So we've got three minutes, right? 
Okay, I'm gonna go tell that story because we gotta go quickly. These are rehab students in our rehab stuff, Nancy's kid. These are summer evangelistic English club people. And that girl, by the way, can you imagine what our evangelistic English club goes 10 weeks in the summer and that girl in three years, she's never missed a class. <laughs> and these are people who do a better job and even behind this, the higher level students get meet out behind there. There's Tanya teaching with the, what do you call it, crossword puzzle. There's that, that's our garage that got blown up. And the bonfire at the end, girl reading her first Bible ever. About our Bible college, this is after they t- get learned, we do the discipleship, teaching them how to start churches and that sort of stuff. And Nancy and Tanya and I taught over in Kiev at Word of God College and in October, and then we went to, this is the last year of October, and then we went to Armenia and taught God in the Bible, Theology 1, Mount Ararat in the Bible, probably not where Noah's Ark was. These are two archaeologists. Wait a minute, Nancy. Nancy and, <laughs> that's, uh, actually, they're doing excavation. <laughs> they're, there's a lot of uh, historic stuff in Ukraine, I mean in uh, Armenia. Poland class, Lysychansk. My first class in Lysychansk, this is where the, the, the Ukrainians had taken it back from the Russians again, and we started having classes there. And uh, my first class, and by the way, Mark Musser, I'm pretty sure he's taught there, Jim Myers for sure has. And uh, my first time I heard this boom, boom, boom. And I said, how close are those artilleries? They said, in English, it'd be like three or four miles. I said, that's not good. <laughs> for me, it was scary. Finally, this is where the red classes are where we have regular classes in, uh, in Ukraine. The orange ones are sometimes... And, the other, and this, is where, this is where the Donbass area, where our very first classes at Lugansk, where the war happened both times. And their, their goal was to take all this. Kherson is the key. Ukraine just took that back. All the retired generals that give these reports say, if they take this, they're going to be able to take Crimea. And if they take that, which they think it will be by the end of the summer, I mean by the end of the winter, and we'll see what happens. That should be the big game changer in the war is what we think. And this is how, even in the COVID years, by the way, we measure the success of our college. And even in COVID years, we had 28 and 30 classes, which is more than a lot of small Bible colleges in the United States. Is it because how wonderful this Grandma and Grandpa Mintons are? No. It's because we have people praying for us. We have people helping us financially and in other ways, like people just like you guys. And everything that's done in Ukraine, we've had 12 people a year average coming over to teach for us. Some of your own missionaries teach for us. And so you guys have had way, way a lot more uh, help to us in getting all this stuff done than most other people. And I like this. The red one shows how many first-time students. We do aggressively get new students. We start classes in lots of other places, and we've had all these new students, as you can see, come on a regular basis. And finally, we're trying to, because of Bible college growth and also in other nations, we're raising more money, and we do have a war relief fund. Thanks the Lord for Preston City Bible Church, because you are going to share in this reward as much as, if not more, than we do. Finally, my final thought is this. Don't forget what the pastor said. We are a Bible church. The Word of God is preeminent in our lives. Not only do we have to know it and believe it, and you cannot believe what you don't know. You have to learn the Word of God, and then we need to put it in practice and start doing just like these Ukrainians. They still need a lot of training, but they know enough that what God put them there he put them there for a purpose, and they're going to do what they can do to fulfill his will. Pastor. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for the wonderful grace of Jesus. Romans says that even when we were sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. I thank you for that. I thank you that one time someone told me the gospel. And I became a believer, and then some people showed me how important it is to learn the Word of God. And you helped me in many ways. And now, people like myself, everybody in this room, we have the opportunity and responsibility to spread your Word around the world. Thank you for Preston City Bible Church, one of the most faithful churches I know of that teaches and preaches the Word of God. And I pray that you continue to bless the efforts here, uh, that whether uh, it's hard or difficult, we would be honoring to God and especially honoring to his word in the dark world that our nation is becoming. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.